This is Pink Media. Hey y'all, and welcome back to another short score where my good friend and I break down the music in our favorite films. I'm Brian. I'm Anthony. And today, we're going to be talking about the 1991 movie, The Rocketeer, featuring a score by composer James Horner. Let's get into it. you've never seen this movie before right no i had never even heard of it like i think yeah i don't think i've ever even like seen it heard of it anything about it and it is a charming wonderful movie i'm very glad you've hipped me to this movie yeah it's definitely one that i i don't know i don't remember the first time i saw it but i was definitely a kid um and it could be my mom and i used to have like you know, dates together. I'm using air quotes over here where we like, go to the movies once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so um, I just, re- I just remember falling in love with this movie as a kid and I was, I think it aged pretty well. Like I, it's still charming to me. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll get into this when we talk about the movie itself, but I just have to say that Nazi twist was unexpected for me. Oh I was my like, goodness. Whoa, this is a lot. Like that got really, it went from like Disney whimsical to like kind of a deep, uh historical reference that i was like whoa okay we're doing this i mean it wasn't bad but you know it was just like unexpected and it was still i mean let's be honest here it was still like a disney unexpected twist right yeah (laughs) they somehow uh disney-fied nazism which is uh, uh not an easy task let's say that well, well, we won't even go there, but yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, I, it, it's a really charming movie. And for those of you who have never seen it before, highly recommend. It's on Disney+. Plus. Um, yes. And it's about, um, you know, uh, so essentially this um, person is trying to, like, discovers this this rocket pack that was designed mm-hmm. by, um, oh, who was the, who was the person... Um, like the name, uh, the famous person that they use um, in it. I can't remember, oh, I don't remember the name. Right Howard Hughes. Yeah. Howard Hughes. Ah, there uh, you yeah. Go. Uh, and so Howard Hughes designed this rocket pack. Um, and there's a group of mobsters that are trying to steal it, gets stashed at an airfield where a pilot discovers it. And um, he ends up using it to uh, like save someone and then gets branded as the rocketeer and then it turns out that the nazis are trying to steal it um Uh and i think that's basically the synopsis right yeah and it has i I, the rocketeer kind of has this like superhero that's kind of like a side side profile of the the rocketeer which uh, i liked a lot because he does yeah i guess he technically no not with the rocky he doesn't save her at the end with the rocket he just jumps onto the plane which um but you know the whole thing is he kind of has a superhero brand to him which is cool but um the music in this film like come on i mean yeah i yeah we were speaking before this i i'm not super familiar with james horner i mean i know he's very prolific in film compositions but i don't know a lot of you know his work and stuff like that but he does a damn good job in this movie damn it like it is good agreed yeah and here's the thing you you don't know his stuff but you know his stuff yeah Um, exactly and, and a lot of other people know his stuff i mean uh, think of a lot of iconic movies from especially like the 90s and early 2000s and he's your dude 
Yeah. Um, you know, so, and we'll get into that in a little bit on everything he's did. Um, but just, just a quick little background about him. So he's, uh, you know, he's born in 1953 in California. His dad uh, worked in Hollywood. Um, well, I, I can't say Hollywood. He, I just know he was a set designer and art director um, mm-hmm. in California. Um, and his father, he, you know, he's the, uh, James Horner's the son of an immigrant um, from mm-hmm. Czechia. Is that, like, that's a thing right now, I guess. It used to be Bohemia. Chechnya? Is it's it Chechnya? not Chechnya. It's definitely not. I checked, the, I checked this up, so... Because it's you, it's like oh. the old, it's the old Czech Republic or Czechoslovakia, and so there's like Czechia, oh. and then there's Slovakia. I looked this up on a map because I was curious. So, but it's yeah, the old Bohemia, uh, yeah. like back okay. in the day. Um, and his brother's back still alive. Uh, his brother is a writer and a documentary filmmaker today. Uh, oh, cool. but, uh, James Horner's no longer with us. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but, uh, he died back mm-hmm. in 2015. Um, but he mm-hmm. started playing piano at age five. Then he started learning violin. And then as I was doing research, it seemed like he moved to, to England for a little bit and studied like middle school, high schoolish at the Royal college of London or Royal college of music. Wow. Excuse me. Um, yeah. So like he must've been pretty talented from a young age. Um, and then he came back yeah. here and he got both a bachelor's and a master's degree from the University of Southern California. Um, mm-hmm. He started a, a doctorate uh, at UCLA, but it, uh, it seemed like he never finished it. So, and, I mean, he was obviously still successful. So, it well, and I out. think that's it. It's exactly right. I, I think that's exactly it, right? Which is, you know, he had all this success, you know, he just didn't need to finish it. And I think that that sometimes is what happens. So, yeah. Um, like absolutely. I said before, he died. Um, he was an avid pilot and he had his own turboprop plane, um, mm-hmm. which he was flying in 2015. I think it was June. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and the plane crashed, unfortunately. And so we lost him, uh, you know, six years ago now, almost six years ago, which is tragic. Um, uh, it's tragic anyway and then when you couple it with the fact that he was an extremely prolific film score um yeah composer we just lost a huge talent absolutely i mean the the potential you know for what he could have done moving forward is is definitely tragic you know that you lost that because i think he could compete with some of the you know the top names we talk about in terms of film composers so very well, I think he point. was one of those top names. Yeah, exactly. Um, Even, you know, you know, yeah. So interestingly enough, you know, when he got his start, um, his first kind of breakout score was uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jerry, Jerry Goldsmith, the composer, had written for the first Star Trek movie. Um, and <laughs> essentially, the, the second Star Trek movie was so low budget that they couldn't afford Jerry Goldsmith anymore. Um, and so they had to get someone who, you know, was kind of fresh on the scene or didn't have as much, um, clout right at the time. Uh, and so yeah. they hired a young James Horner, uh, to, to score it fast forward to star Trek six mm-hmm. and James Horner was such a big name by that time. They could no longer afford him. Wow, they the, had to the get Star Trek else. movies are really just yeah. The Star Trek movies are really kind of <laughs> striking out with the, the funding, <laughs> I suppose. But who knows? Starting maybe the cycle funny, will continue. They're nailing like, yeah, they're nailing big names. You know, like that's what I'm uh, saying. So maybe the get, the, the, get them young and develop them, and 
yeah, the, it might just continue the, this whole process of like finding up and coming composers and making them into stars. Yeah, and they they really knocked it out of the park. Um, Absolutely. So, uh, you know, he he's won uh, not as many awards uh, considering all of the uh, awesome films that he's scored for. I was surprised that he didn't have more awards. Um, he does have yeah. two Oscars. Um, both of them are for probably his most famous movie. Do you know what that is, Brian? Titanic. Oh, yes. Yes, you okay. know it. Of course. Uh, so he's got uh, best original score for that and uh, best original song for yep. that. Um, he also has two Golden Globes from that same movie. Um, mm-hmm. He's got six Grammys total. Um, a couple of them are from Titanic and then from other things as well. And then in addition to his two wins um, for the Oscars, he has eight other Oscar nominations. So you know, he, he received some um, uh, recognition of his work, but I, I was a little surprised mm-hmm. um, that it wasn't more, to be honest with you. So, well, I guess he was uh, kind of going up against some pretty prolific composers himself at that time for those awards. So it makes sense. It was, yeah, I think for it, sure. It always is a pretty competitive market, of course, but I think at the time when he was composing films, it was especially competitive. It would be a, a very interesting. Um, uh, study, we'll say, to go back and see who he was up against in those particular years. Because, you know, this yeah, is also absolutely. like the height of John Williams is still writing. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, Hans Zimmer's getting his start. And um, there's, there's a lot of good movie um, movie composers uh, during this time. So Absolutely. Uh, so he worked with Ron Howard and did Cocoon. Mm-hmm. He did the music for Cocoon. Have you seen that movie? I have not. I have not either. I know it's iconic, but I just don't. I don't know. So yep, never uh, seen it. What about the Land Before Time? Of course, I've seen the Land Before Time. Come on. Yeah, I I remember seeing it, but I don't like. If you asked me to tell you the plot, I couldn't remember a thing. But uh, uh, I mean, it's been years, but I've definitely seen it. Yeah, it's. I just remember it's an iconic movie. Yeah. Uh, how about one of my childhood faves, Jumanji? I love, to this day, I love Jumanji. Yeah. That's so movie. good. Yeah. Absolutely. He, and he did he did the music for that as well. Um, 95 was actually a pretty big year for him. Uh, he scored six mm-hmm. movies and three of them were just knockouts. Uh, Braveheart. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Huge. Come on, Huge. Mel Gibson. Come on, uh, Mel Gibson. <laughs> uh, one of my faves from 1995, Apollo 13. I do like that movie quite a bit um titanic we already said leo can i Um, can i just say this is uh controversy up brave i i am not the biggest titanic fan in terms of the movie it's so long it is i get it it's sad and i don't know i I, i'm sure i'm gonna get a lot of shit for that but it's just not if i had to choose it's not my favorite movie let's say that yeah well that's fine i i can't say that i love it either um yeah but i i mean I would, I would do anything for Leonardo DiCaprio. So I'm always I know. willing to watch He's a that dream. Movie, so yeah, yes. I agree. The secret husband. So yes. Um, so going forward, you know, I, just to 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 get through a few of these uh, quicker. So how the Grinch stole Christmas, the 2000 remake uh, of that one. Yes. Uh, Perfect Storm. Uh, a, a beautiful mind. Movie. Yes. Um. One of my all-time favorites, and definitely a future short score, uh, The Mask of Zorro. 
Oh, absolutely. That has to go. Antonio to Banderas. Love iconic. it. Yes, iconic. Yeah. And Catherine Zeta-Jones. Hello. Yes, hello. Um, and Anthony Hopkins. I forgot about Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. So, uh, and then Bicentennial Man. Uh, always a good cry for me. Love Never it. seen it. Never seen it. <gasps> really? I know. This, uh, Ro- every time Robin we list Williams. these movies... I know. Every time we list these movies that like these composers have done, I feel like half of them I'm like, I've just never seen it. And then you have like these like gushy things to say about it. And I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. So Well, we're gonna Whatever. fix this. We'll do it. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to watch a, it. Like Bicentennial Man's definitely a good like drink drink a bottle of wine and cry kind of movie. Like Oh, it, sweetie, it that's is... just every night for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's Per use for Brian. That is just so. my evening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so then, g- g- moving on, um, another uh, James Cameron collaboration. Uh, he scored uh, the music to Avatar. Um, I which love that I, scoring. I read that it took him two years to score that film. Uh, which it's, is crazy. I really like that music quite a bit. I, I, I uh, again. It appears on my work playlist, so it's important to me. I love it so much. Clearly. So. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he actually did the um, uh, the music to The Magnificent Seven, the, the re-release that happened uh, in 2016, which is after he died. So he it was like secret, secret scoring. It was supposed to be a surprise that James Horner scores the new Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Um, and then he died before it was released. Um, and so it was kind wow. of a big deal. Um, after yeah, after all is, of that, it was really great. I feel like Which, I know the, the way, theme to that the original but... Magnificent Seven. Yeah, uh, yeah, you you definitely do. The, it's the original Magnificent Seven is uh, it's by Elmer Bernstein, the composer. Uh, is it the it's dun, it's, icon, dun, dun, it's iconic? Dun, 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 dun. Is that the one? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. Maybe I'll take it. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yep. There you go. So. Um, anyway, you definitely know that one. And, uh, and he, James Horner did the rescore of that one for that movie. Um, okay. Yeah, for so. sure. Boom. So he, de- he does have some other thing, like he wrote for television in the eighties and nineties. As I was looking through the list, there was nothing that really jumped out to me. Um, and I don't know that this next thing really jumps out to any of us either, but he did score the CBS evening news music from that was used oh. from 2016 to 2011, like introduced okay, Katie Couric. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he has uh, some, some concert works as well. He has a double concerto for violin, cello and an orchestra. Um, turn it on its side and cello. It's a bass. You know what movie? Cello. Wait, I don't, that's, that's from something? Jack Black movie? Yeah. Oh, um, freaking School of Rock. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, yeah. Um, and then he has, you know, like a collage for Four Horns, which was written for a major symphony orchestra and things. So, okay. So, yeah, James Horner uh, loves very... him a horn. He loves horns. Oh, yeah. Yes. As we yeah. discuss, as, like, as we're listening to this movie and watching the movie, hello. It is, um, it is the bread and the yeah. butter of this movie. Yeah, agreed um so why don't we get into the movie so you know we already talked a little bit about your initial thoughts but um like just like at the start of the movie what would you think as as the score started to play and the credits and all that yeah i mean really for me the most notable scoring moments in the movie were the bookends of the movie you know the beginning Mm -hmm. and the end i think it was really beautiful scoring 
but it was uh you know he kind of took the melody and manipulated it to make it unique throughout the whole movie and it really fit tone and it fit you know the mood of the scene um but it was always the same melody you know always kind of just augmented and i liked how he he does a very interesting thing with how he does instrumentation like he kind of creates this whimsical feel by pairing a horn with a flute and a glockenspiel maybe like there's a really interesting combination when he does a lot of these big uh, kind of melodies that is very whimsical sounding but he can also kind of take it in that darker direction so uh and tr- so notable scenes for me are the beginning of the end really in terms of the the, the scoring yeah i absolutely agree um and and you know like like you mentioned the just the soaring horn melody and i think whimsical is the, is the perfect way to put it um yeah i i mean even like i was watching the credits the opening credits and i was like yeah. i'm already hooked you know i know right <laughs> yeah i felt the yeah. exact same way i was really pumped up like at the very beginning and i was like i don't care i don't give a shit what they're saying i'm just listening to this music right now yeah it was great and then you know the opening scene um they do you know he kind of changes from this very whimsical um mood to this like fast-paced heroic but it's the same melody so he just augments or changes the melody to kind of mm-hmm. change the the you know fit the mood that we need and that's when he also changed the um the instrumental timbre right so he kind of initially it's uh, the melody stated in the violin and then he switches over to the horns yep um and it's it's great it's just incredible um yeah and i think this movie, you know, compared to some of his other, his other famous scores, you know, let's say Titanic. He, mm-hmm. I think James Horner is very versatile within a movie, kind of like within one instance. But like, if you look at this compared to Titanic, they're different scores completely. So the man can write for whatever he needs to write for, you know. Yeah, um, but like I said, composer. like even within this one instance of this one movie, there's a lot of versatility in what he does with, uh, you know, his scoring. It has a style to it, of course. It has a very James Hornery style, whatever that means. But um, he can do a lot with manipulating, like we said, instrumentation, the timbre of the melody, all those things. And I think it's it's uh, very, very impressive. And, you know, in this movie, he somehow captures like soaring flight in, in music because that's really what it's about, you know, and he kind of captures that, which is, um, you know, that's cool. If it can kind of evoke what's happening in the movie to that degree, it's really, really impressive. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, and, there, you know, there's the way he's able to capture mood through music yeah. is is i just i just love it uh um, masterful you know he's a master it's a master yeah so you know we talked about the the epicness of some of the scenes and the whimsicality of some of the other scenes but then you know, like when there's you know when like when neville st Clair is on screen and he's kind of this dark character we later find out he's a secret nazi spy and um yeah. you know just like the 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 darkness and the the melody it's almost like serpentine a little bit um uh it really really accurately represents what we're seeing on the screen as well so very great um, yeah and charming stuff and i mean apart from you know traditional scoring what you'd think of in a traditional score there's also like the big man jazz scene which i don't know is that like a standard or did he compose that that they were singing do you know i think it was i think it was a mix of the two like i know at one point there's they're definitely playing the song all or nothing at all Um, yeah but i like there's not a lot of other stuff that i recognize but so it might be a mix yeah, I don't know if I, I I was wondering if it was kind of a standard that he just reimagined somehow, you know, or rearranged because I think that's mm-hmm. a I think the opening piece, uh, I forget what it's called, but I think it's actually a standard, but I don't think 
it's a standard arrangement. I think he may have rearranged that. Yeah, that's I think that's pretty typical. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's there's the scene with the 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 jazz clarinet comes out. Uh, mm-hmm. giving me all of the Benny Goodman vibes, you know, yes. like it was just, I love a Benny it Goodman was charming. Movie. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, it had that whole, and that's what people did back in the day. Right. So they went to these clubs and they would be a, like a house big band that would be playing. Um, and people would get up and dance, you know, like that's I where love... Duke Ellington kind of got a start, right? Like, uh, yeah. I can't remember the name of the club as the cotton club. I think it was, uh-huh. um, but you know, like, like he was the house band. Yeah. I love like this kind of world war ii era i love the social scene in the world war ii era well probably more likely after world war ii immediately after but that whole social scene of like going to these like classy clubs i mean because you know me i'm trying to be a classy bitch up in this thing so like i love that shit it's so great i had no idea that you were a classy bitch brian can you imagine right that uh that comment was laced with sarcasm so no uh... (laughs) Um, yeah, so it, it was just great. Um, and then I don't know if you caught, there was like two moments in this, in this movie too, where I was, I had serious back to the future vibes. Um, so maybe that's what, cause there were certain fragments of the melody that would like make me think of something, but I couldn't put my finger on it. So maybe it was back to the future that I was like, cause I forget what progression of notes it was, but it was like, every time it would come around, I was like, ah, this sounds like it's going to go to something else that I know. So maybe that's what it was. It could have been. Um, uh, it, for me, it was. Um, it would be in like the Glockenspiel. Yeah. Um, there would be like, um, and it would just be you know like bing 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 bing, and it just uh-huh. out, out of the way it was scored and the instrumentation, it just made me. I was like, oh, this, like I'm. This feels like uh, very much like uh, Alan Silvestri's score to um, Back to the Future. Yeah, so, absolutely. I loved it. Good stuff. Another future short score. Oh my goodness, there's so many future short scores. So do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, really when it comes down to it, this this man is a master. Uh, like I said, there's versatility within the single instance. There's versatility across all of his compositions. Um, a lot of them, you know, I started off the podcast saying I don't know a lot about him. I know a lot more about him than I thought I did. So it's like, uh-huh. I know a lot of his music. So um, the man's a master. And we, when it comes down to it, it's it's that simple as, uh, you know, it's this movie is evocative of what it's supposed to be evocative of. It plays a, it's a character within the movie itself. It's not in the background. So um, I think, I think it's just great. Yeah, it's great. I agree. And, um, you know, I think we really lost, uh, it's unfortunate that he died in the plane crash in 2015 because I think he was one of our brightest and most talented film composers. Um, and we just lost him way too early. I, I can't even imagine what he would have written for us had he Absolutely. still been around. So who knows? Yeah. yeah, very sad, but at least we have these kind of, you know, this in the, that we can watch and remember him by, but still Agreed. sad, of course. All right. Well, that's the score to the Rocketeer. Uh, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Gene Picks wherever you listen, and we'll see you next week. Later, y'all. This is Pink Media. Pink Media.